Hi, everyone. Welcome. My name's Ashley Brown, and this is your Thursday night Hawks Insiders safe space as we look at the big, wide world of football, primarily through the most important lens of all, which is a brown and gold one. Uh, sit back for the next hour or so as the, we enjoy the final chat, really, of the preseason. This time next week, we'll be into the second game of the season, part of round one. So lots to discuss as the season's so close we can touch it. Uh, joining me as they do most times in the same space are my co-hosts. Good evening, firstly, Andrew Weiss. Good evening, Ash, and to everyone. <laughs> Definitely starting to get excited for next week and it seems to have come around pretty quickly. So looking forward to tonight and uh, looking at a few of the important bits and pieces heading into round one. Brad Klemanski, good evening. Evening all. Bring on the shin boners. Bring on your selection dissection, the first edition of next week, which I'm very much looking, looking forward, forward to as you tell the Hawks, you, as you think what the team should be, and then you double up, then you, then you go and say what you think they'll do. So it's a bit different now. You don't, you don't have Clarko. You don't have the Clarko 15, 17 years to think about Brad as when you think about what they're going to do with the team. So uh, that's a new challenge for you. Looking forward to looking, seeing how you yeah, tackle that. Looking forward to it. And Danny Prince, hello. Evening, Ash. Evening, everyone. Good to be here tonight. Good to have you with us. We've got a bit to get through tonight. We're going to look at the Richmond game. We are going to look at Sam Mitchell's done interview on AFL.com. We're going to touch on a couple of aspects out of that. Another uh, jumper for the Hawks this year. We're going to evaluate that. I've got some thoughts on that one. Um, and the injury list came out today and what that means for round one. So we've got that. And, of course, a big announcement at the end. You have to hang around to the end. We're not going to give it to you early. So those who hang around will get it, will find out first. Two premiership heroes are joining Hawks Insiders this year on a regular basis. Uh, and we will reveal their names at the end of the spaces tonight, but we're not going to muck around. We've got a special guest. He's got to do his own thing at nine o'clock. So we're going to get him on for about 15 minutes or so. Uh, his name is um, Adam Warney Child. I don't know what the Warney means or whether he's been in, a, uh, been in mourning like the rest of us this week. Um, he is one of the traders, one of the gurus behind AFL Fantasy that appears on AFL.com. And I guess because he's in the AFL record, it makes him a colleague of mine. Uh, Adam Warney Child, uh, good evening. Welcome to Hawks Insiders. G'day, Ash. G'day, everyone. Uh, feels a little bit uh, dirty as a Bomber supporter to be here in this Hawthorne safe space, but I'm sure we'll have a bit of fun. Yeah, well, you could have changed your uh, you could have changed your pick just for the night. <laughs> something a bit more respectful to the to your surrounds. I am a I don't play. I'm not heavily into AFL fantasy. It's one of my sins in life. Um, love NFL fantasy, which I play with you every year as well. But uh, yes. AFL fantasy, I don't. I find it gets in the way of my writing and watching and observing on footy so I don't get too involved. However, it is religion for many and I'm actually going to handball most of the conversation over to uh, uh, our experts here led by Andrew. But I do want to ask you one question. How many leagues do you actively play in? Uh, actively, I'm in a few, um, mostly, well, mostly draft leagues, actually. I've got a couple of good classic ones with mates, but I'm in about four pretty serious draft ones where you've got that money on the line. And actually, this weekend, we're off to um, off to Bridport on the northeast coast of Tassie uh, near Barmboogle for any golfers out there. We'll be having a round there and uh, having a big 
weekend for our Bacon Cup. We've already had our little message from Tom Mitchell actually put into the group chat about the Bacon Cup, and he's pretty <laughs> excited about whoever takes him in when it comes to draft day. Well, I want to ask you quickly, how did your – what is hobby for most of for most of the people who play it, how did you quickly parlay that into, into you know, pure business? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess we um, started – this is our 16th year of sort of existence in what we're doing and had a few years where we're uh, doing our thing on little YouTube videos and a website with content and, um, yeah, I guess there wasn't a lot going on at the time around fantasy footy and so I guess we found ourselves a space uh, for that and I think where we're a bit of a winner is that we're three sort of best mates. We lived together at the time when we first started it and so our sort of chemistry doing what we do has been pretty good and then, yeah, we got a gig with the AFL about nine seasons ago and uh, we mustn't have done too many wrong things so they've kept us on. Yeah, well, it's very part of the record and part of AFL.com. see this is your account. Over to you. Thanks, Ash. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. I think just um, just further to that question, I, I put out an article yesterday um, and mentioned in it that in the mid-90s we used to... Um, used to have to get the newspaper, go through the double-page spread, put in the codes of the players you wanted and and then at the end or throughout the weekend, launch your dial-up internet and try and find how they've gone and and how you went. I guess further to the question about how you got into this, like how early were you involved in fantasy footy and how how did the three of you, you know, talking about it, how did it specifically, I guess, become, you know, who you are today? Yeah, I guess that's where I started too. So as a teenager, going down the news agency where I had to actually order, living in Tasmania, ordering ordering the um, the age, I think it was at the time, um, doing that. And you had that 0055 number to call to make some changes. I think um, I got in trouble for that because I think uh, – I think actually dad probably got in trouble. I think mum was thinking, what's he calling up here for a couple of minutes at a time back in there when the old 0055 numbers. But um, yeah, it did start there. And we, I guess, got on it very early, I suppose, and and learnt what to do um, quite early on as well and sort of had... Um, without winning or having huge success or whatever, sort of had some very competitive leagues early on. And and as I said earlier, like sort of we were living together and it was such a big part of our conversation. And um, yeah, so one of our mates set up a a bit of a blog and he was doing some humorous stuff around that. We thought, oh, well, let's put together a bit of a YouTube conversation essentially of what we were. And I think it had about a thousand hits in that first week. And we thought, oh, well, we might as well keep going with this because there's a little bit of interest out there for it. So we did and kept growing and building. And yeah, like I said too, like there wasn't really much content out there. So we sort of captured a bit of a community. And I guess a lot of those guys are still with us, but there's new people coming through all the time. It's always quite funny. Um, sort of some, well, when I say younger kids or whatever playing the game and going, <laughs> we're probably starting this before those guys were even born. Well, and so do you find that because of the success and, and the fact that you've been able to turn this into a career, do you feel at times like, there's a target on your back are you getting posts through socials and people you know trying to gloat about knocking you off as an expert and all of that sort of stuff come part and parcel with it uh, yeah, of course it does. And I guess we've uh, grown a bit thicker skin um, since we started because, well, you need to. I think any anyone that's on social media needs to, full stop. But, yeah, I guess we, at the end of the day, we're punters just like anyone else and we'll make plenty of mistakes and all of that along the way. But we, um, I think 
before the season starts, everyone's a bit of an expert too, and no one's wrong yet. So that's the thing. So hopefully we can um, – we've got pretty decent runs on the board where we, I guess, can show what we know what we're talking about. But I think at the end of the day, I think one of the big things about what we do is just making it fun and, and showing that's what it's about. And I think um, regardless of our performance or whatever, it's uh, that conversation, it's that thing that we feel like we're the, no different to anyone else in their uh, lounge rooms or anyone that's gone to the pub on Friday nights locking in their team teams or whatever and having a beer and we're just the same as everyone else and we'll all ride every little bumper with a grin to uh, yeah. coin a Hawthorne <laughs> phrase there to uh, do that as we um, as we sit through the weekend because it certainly affects our mood and Roy's probably the worst one of the three of us when it comes to that he actually uh, doesn't he's not very popular at home if he's not having a good fantasy weekend for sure Brad you got a question I do Warney thanks for your time my friend what no is what is uh, the end goal? Do you want to become the Matthew Berry of Australia? <laughs> I would love that. And so there's been sort of a couple of things. Sounds like we're probably a bit bigger than what we are. We okay. make enough money to um, take a day off work a week. Um, and we're all teachers, and so I teach four days a week, so it does get quite busy for us with what we do because I'm I'm sure we provide a lot more content than what we get paid for, probably um, tenfold at least, I reckon. So, um, But, yeah, it would be great. And I guess the difference is, obviously, if we were doing what we did in the States, I reckon um, I probably wouldn't be working because, the, well, I'd be working on fantasy as a full-time thing because you can see what those guys do. And Matthew Berry is obviously, I guess, a bit of an idol now when you look at what he does and and hopefully one day we might be able to have a bit more appetite for the fantasy game where you know we could actually be pumping out even more content because it's part of a day job for sure one more just specific question before i get into some brown and gold tinted questions and and get into this year and and the hawthorne side of things with that one day a week and um, I guess with us and what we're doing with Hawks Insiders, it's an absolute labour of love. But I guess my question is with any job, even if it is the most perfect ideal job that you'd want to be doing for the rest of your life, do you have moments where it's like, oh, I've got to do this, but I can't be bothered or you've had a crap weekend in terms of scores and then in terms of commitments to what you need to do to keep keep the uh, juggernaut chugging along where it's just like the last thing you want to be doing? I guess sometimes I have those bad scores, but I, I think we're, what we love about it, especially with the work that we do, I'm doing it with my two best mates and uh, often beers involved, which is nice as well. So it does make it a lot easier. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's still a lot of fun and we, we feel like that's what it is. It's probably some of those colder winter nights when we're knocking off pretty late. Um, we do a Thursday night live show um, when the teams come out and sometimes that can go for a little while too into the evening. And, and actually, I'm sitting right now at Utah Stadium, Hawks' second home ground here. This is where we've got a little office, which is nice to overlook the uh, the best deck in the competition. And, uh, yeah, we sort of could roll out of here sometimes, 9, 9.30 at night, and uh, a busily cold Launceston night in the middle of July can be uh, can be a bit chilly and we question what we're doing. But, no, nah, at the end of the day, when you can have a couple of beers when you do it, talking some rubbish with your mates, it's good fun. Totally. Now let's just um, get into the Hawks side of things. Let, let's start with... Um, a player who I think has taken over the um, fantasy pig status that Tom Rockliffe used to have and uh, will always go down in my book as one of the greats. Tom Mitchell, number one, at six, 
969k this year. Number one, Izzy in your classic team. And number two, uh, using Rockliffe as the example, where's Titch going to sit in uh, the Hall of Fame when it comes to uh, AFL Dream Team? Well, we did induct him as a pig um, off the back of that second 128-year average, his second year at the Hawks, where he just was incredible after he lost horse at Sydney, who was a big handbrake on him, and then he was able to be his fantasy best, which we all knew about because his numbers as a kid were huge, and then every time he was playing in the NEFL for Sydney, he was dominating, and so, yeah, he's got to be very close, and he's starting to embrace it a bit too. We actually did a live draft with him on um, Tuesday night, I think that was, and that was a lot of fun. He um, he was very up and about with it, learning the game of fantasy. He tried to tell us that he hasn't played much before, but we did find out that when he was in year nine that he actually came second for a week in the in the Dream Team competition and uh, I think he had a top 200 finish for the season. So he does know what he's talking about and he may not have played much lately, but I think he knows that part of his game as well, that he knows that uh, how to get those cheeky one-twos and, and all those little tricks that can boost your score a little bit. And hopefully this year we see him back to his best because um, he was quite good last year and great in the second half of the season as well as he got rolling. Um, obviously coming back from that, that leg break um, was a huge one for him and it's probably taken him until uh, midway through last year to, to be fully back to his best. But I can see he's going to have a great year this year except for the fact that he's got that little groin niggle and he didn't give away a lot on um, Tuesday night when we had the chat with him. So hopefully he's going to be all right. But it's always a little bit of a red flag and I have taken him out of my team after he's sat there since it opened in December this week because of that. Controversial. Uh, Brad, did you have another question? Or was that I do. Uh, Warney, do you start with Sisdog? Uh, I know he missed last year uh, with an ACL. He's priced around the mid-price range, I think. The question is, do you think he can average an 85 to justify his price and make us some uh, dollars this year? Yeah. Who was and that, I... Brad? What was that? Who was that? Sicily. James Sicily. Yeah, so... 510K. What do you think? Morning. Yeah, he's been in my side the whole time. Um, he gets that 30% discount when you miss a full season of what you did. And and even that, too, is probably below um, that the figure that it was discounted off, probably below what his best is because he's been a 90-plus guy in the past. So I think, um, yeah, he's in my side. He did enough in the in the two Pracky games. So that first one, um, he was quite good. He scored a 94-point game when they played against um, Collingwood. So I'm not sure exactly how many quarters out of that six-quarter game that they played, but um, he looked really good in that. And then he looked good again uh, at Devonport Oval on Saturday too. So while his score wasn't huge with the 66, he was just... Um, doing all the things we wanted. And, um, yeah, we just want him probably taking more of those kick-ins. Maybe some things have changed a little bit for him since uh, in his time out because Hardwick was um, – he's got a bit more of a um, important role, I suppose, in the side from that, from what I'm reading. But I still think he's so much value and we want to do that. That kick-in thing, though, I think last year he actually put on social media somewhere about he doesn't think the stat should count running out of the square. So I'm a little bit worried about that from a fantasy perspective because if he's got that in his head, he may not uh, do that cheeky thing, stepping over the line and getting the bonus three points for it. Now, we assume, like through Hawthorne's recent golden era, when in doubt uh, we selected a left footer at the draft, that <laughs> for you, with that jumper that you're wearing, if it's another team's player or a Hawks player, you might 
just bypass the Hawks. One of my questions is Josh Ward, Connor McDonald, priced at 278 and 240k respectively. Ward would have to be a lock, wouldn't he, in most teams in this competition? 100%. So I think um, our midfields will definitely have of sort of the rookie price players. You're going to have Nick Dacos and Jason Horn Francis for not only their scoring ability, but their job security. And then I think Ward is the third um, man there because he's probably got the next best job security of those draftees and the midfielders there. So he was fantastic watching him on the weekend. Like there was so much to like about him. I think you guys will be stoked that he, um, that you haven't, um, ruined a, a draft pick there with that one because he was looking sensational. So, um, yeah, and from a fantasy perspective, I think we you need to lock him in the side. Um, I assume there'll be some big announcement very soon that he's definitely playing round one. But Tom Mitchell did say to us the other night on the stream that he uh, he said he will be playing round one. So, I th- yeah, I think we have to lock him in. And, and who knows what he'll score. He could be one of the better better cash cows and we might have him for quite a while in our team. Absolutely. We know that he'll start round one. So in terms of the ability to make some money off him uh, as a minimum, let alone then the decision to potentially keep him in your side is, is going to be one I think is going to need to be made. Um, James Warple, he's at 661k. Uh, thoughts on him as a midfield point of difference? Because he's had a great preseason. He had a lightning finish to the end of last year. Um Warple thoughts and any other potential Hawthorne Smokies that you think um, might provide a point of difference for our listeners, all, all gagging to get as many brown and gold players in their team as possible? Yeah, I'm bullish on Warple. I'm hoping that what he does under Sam Mitchell might be a little bit better than what he had a few roles last year, and I think that really affected his scoring. So where is priced at? So we like always like to talk about what they're priced at. So um, he's around about that 80 figure because of his average from last season, and he busted out high 90s um, in those couple of years prior, especially with um, – the year that Tom Mitchell was out was a, a big one for him. Um, that was, I guess, that big sort of breakout sort of thing for him as a player. But, yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on him. It's one of those awkward prices for Classic because I think there's um, a lot of other guys maybe in similar positions like him that you might get a little bit more from. And um, and I wouldn't call safer because I think that Wolf was going to be playing 22 games and all that sort of stuff, but he may not have the same ceiling as other guys. But he's certainly a draft sleeper. And this weekend coming up, it's going to be one of those um, big weekends for a lot of leagues. They always, well, we always do our draft leading into um, the weekend before the season starting. So you've got all the information and hopefully you're not drafting any injured players that happen because I've done that plenty of times where you're watching a game of the... Uh, the community series games and uh, yeah, the next day one of your players that you took in an early round has got injured. So that's one of the things that we're hoping for. But I think Warple could be a great late round pick there. If he's got that 80 average next to his name, I think that he can be well into the 90s um, and be a great option. And it's going to be all about what Sam Mitchell does with him, I guess. And you guys are probably the best to ask. You probably don't see him playing those those role player roles um, moving forward. He'll be one of the one of the important midfielders for the team. Yeah, you're spot on. I think one of the biggest difficulties, and we've talked about this just in general, is we, we don't think Sammy's going to settle on a midfield lineup or general positional um, spots for players immediately. It's going to take some time. So even someone like a giant Newcomb that 
you know, again, there'd be people in here going, he doesn't cost anything and we know he's going to get minutes. Is he going to play every week and is he going to play in the middle every week? And, um, yeah, I, I guess some of the other players, John Newcomb, Chad Wingard, again, at the end of last season, be a draft on the weekend. A- any other guys you've got some notes on that you might be looking at depending on if they're available a little bit later on? Yeah, well, there's a few, and especially in some of the deeper drafts in my keeper league, which we have already drafted, like just watching, looking at some of those younger guys to maybe stash away on the bench. But Finn McGuinness will be an interesting one as well to see how his season goes. Um, in Glassic, he's relatively cheap as well, but I'm not sure he'll be one of the guys that I'm I'm picking there. But it's going to be those guys that get um, that get picked up on um, on draft day, I think, the ruck lineup's an interesting one if you're looking for a deep ruck. What are the Hawks going to do there? Is Reeves the, the main man to begin with? And then does Lynch get a go? Because when we're looking at um, the fantasy numbers from the weekend as well, it's quite interesting that Reeves started as a ruck, ruck the first half, but um, his score, he only, well, only scored the 29 in half a game. But then when Lynch came on the ground in the second half, he scored 54 points in, the, um, in those quarter three and four so um, he's got some pretty good scoring potential but yeah it's it's something that you don't really want to take into the season because I think they'll mix that up there as well like you say with the midfield um, it may be a little bit sporadic early on those rucks are probably going to be the same but I think some of the players like um, Chad Wingard he had such a good season last year that he's He's probably going to be drafted around about where he's going to be at. Um, I guess the thing that worries me about him is he did he had a lot of great games there in the midfield. And where does he sit in that mix? Is he going to be used as a forward a little bit more um, because of these kids coming through? Like a John Newcomb, he's um, he's going to get that clock in there a bit, I think. And the way it goes, he was actually one player that Tom Mitchell kept talking about as as one of the guys um, coming through so that he will see in the midfield a fair bit. So that'll be interesting in itself. But I guess we might get from the Hawks and it might be some stuff during the season is when some of these younger players get blooded. Um, I think we'll probably see a few guys make their debut during the season, like even um, our Tassie boy, uh, Jackson Callow, may get a gig at some point. So he could come in as a basement price forward for us. But those are the sorts of players that we'll probably be looking at throughout the season, um, not necessarily just from round one, but the big dogs, I guess, to start with in our teams. And this is, if you're talking classic, I think Sicily's right there, Ward's right there, and Mitchell, if, and I assume that he will be playing, is right there. And, and Connor McDonald, too, which will be interesting for people's structure with their sides because he might have to slide to the bench. And then is that a little bit too much money to have on your bench? But if we don't have a lot of these cash cows coming through, you might need to do that. And hopefully, if he does play around one, that he can stay there for a little while. And, of course, you're going to have to think about ratings for another 180 players, of course, uh, Adam, because all the top-up players coming through are going to be announced tomorrow as well, I think. So uh, you have to have 180 standbys. So good luck with all that uh, as you do your planning over the next little while. Going to be crazy, isn't it? Fingers crossed and touch wood that we um, we go all right. It's going to be – I had a, probably my real realisation of that today at school. So um, two days ago, I had my class of my grade 8 maths kids and um, today I had, you know, 25 kids or whatever. Today I had eight. So um, I think we might be seeing some little waves of stuff going through clubs where there could be a significant amount of players 
out for a week or two um, to get through their time. So it's going to be um, that's going to be an added challenge to this year. I, I did read a very good book about the 2020 season, and um, there could be that follow up for the 2022 one as well. I reckon, Ash. Yeah, well, what's we'll the find someone to write it? Um, <laughs> you know, I think most most popular teacher in Tasmania, by the way. The kids, the kids just sort of talk to you about uh, Dream Team and not actually, you know, uh, uh, whatever Pythagoras' theorem and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, I guess if some of them do. They do love it, and then um, they sometimes they don't believe that I'm that person. It was uh, even like just around Launceston sometimes. He goes. This bloke uh, came up to me at the butcher and he goes, you look like that warning from um, Dreamtime TV, he called it. And so I said, uh, yeah. Dreamtime TV. <laughs> yeah, so it was like butchered it all. And like, I'm like, yep, yep, I am, mate. So, uh, yes, yeah, so no, it is funny. The kids uh, do get into it. And this is the thing for you guys, being in Launceston here, Hawthorne, obviously a highly supported. Um, I would say that if it's, not to if it's not a third of kids, it's um, getting probably closer to half of them that have got the uh, brown and gold, and they've done a good job with what oh, I guess twenty years now it has been. So it's coming through to that sort of generational type thing, and we're seeing that with a lot of kids. So maybe a few of those might go when we get our Tassie team coming in soon. Well, you'll have a team that's going to be announced in August. Nothing more certain than that, and uh, that'll be become a challenge for those Hawthorne. And other supporters. You've been very generous with your time, Adam. I know you've got to do your own uh, production in a few minutes. So we really thank you for coming on Hawks Insiders. Just before you go, where can people find all uh, all your content this year? Where can they lock you in on a weekly basis? Yeah, there's been a fair bit, actually. So, um, yeah, if you head to the AFL website and you click on the uh, fantasy tab up the top or afl.com.au slash fantasy, uh, you can find it there or follow me on Twitter at DT, which is where we are at the moment. So if you jump on there, there'll be plenty of stuff and I'll be nice to all the Hawthorne supporters as we go. But uh, And also in the AFL record, that is great to grab each week. We've got the preseason one that's out too. If you haven't started making your fantasy team, there's plenty of tips in there to, to get you a start if you like. And, um, yeah, and it's a great little companion to have next to you as you watch the season to begin with as well. I can highly recommend the AFL record. Thank you for your time. I think we have to get you on mid-season for review and just track how things are going as uh, as we get to the business end of the season. So we'll have you back. Thanks. Say hi to the other guys for us and uh, good luck for the season. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Warney. Thanks, Warney. That was a great Adam Warney child, and that uh, should state everybody's knowledge about AFL fantasy and how the Hawks uh, relate to that going into the season. So let's have a chat about the Richmond game. The Hawks lost by, I think, 25 points in Devonport. It was a fantastic occasion uh, for to support the Hillcrest community after the uh, unspeakable tragedy they went through in Hawthorne, Richmond in the AFL. And uh, I believe even Grant Birchall and others in the football community came down to support the venture. So it was a a fantastic day, um, but we should uh, look at it from a football perspective. Um, Danny, what were your takeaways from watching that game on uh, Saturday? We won't dwell too much on it, but I just want to get to get your thoughts. Yeah, uh, I, I think the biggest thing was um, that they smashed us out of the blocks, and um, <clears throat> I think it was Big Boy spoke in the in the media the week before the uh, the week before the Richmond game about Collingwood smacking us in the mouth. Um, and I felt that Richmond did the same thing in the first quarter. But after uh, quarter time, we really started to wrestle back some of the control through the middle of the park. And I think a lot of that was down to um, our young brigade of midfielders. I was really impressed with um, Newcomb's attack on the footy, Nash's attack on the footy and the man with the footy, 
and obviously the man that we're all here to talk about, Josh Ward, the way he went about it, he looked like a 200-gamer straight off the bat. So um, that was probably the biggest standout was that our very inexperienced midfield unit um, was able to sort of at least break even and give ourselves a chance out of the middle against a a much more seasoned uh, Richmond midfield unit. I think that was the biggest thing. Brad, what do you think? Watch out. Yeah, uh, the negative and the positive were the same uh, for me, as uh, Quincy uh, touched on. Josh Ward was our best player, so it depends how you look at it. Glass pass full or glass, glass half uh, empty. So he was fantastic. Obviously, we went in without uh, Mitchell and uh, Jager. We've learned after the game, you know, Tom, as uh, Warney said, got a bit of a sore groin. Jager, they probably wanted to... Uh, rest before the first game as he has done always when he plays for us he seems to miss a week here and there I think the biggest worry Ash which I think is yours as well is our forward line I just think it's going to be a big problem uh, this year I think when teams look at our forward line and you see Lewis uh, Kajitsky uh, big boys probably going to play as a bit of a forward Gunston's obviously coming back after missing an entire season I just can't see that forward line consistently kicking winning scores. I'm not sure what uh, your thoughts are, but that's what I took out of the game. I think our forward line's a bit of a worry. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the two things that I took out of the game was they're, they're no good Hawthorne. They can't... Backlines can set themselves up pretty nice against Hawthorne, certainly when you've got none of uh, CJ, Bramble, Day or Impey. They create chaos half-half back with their speed. I mean, Sam Frost does it a bit, but he's likely to butcher the ball. But those guys can use the footy well, setting, uh, running out of the back line, and that, they're the ones who can cause a bit of panic for opposition back lines trying to get themselves set. So that make, so not having that class of ball out of the back line makes the forward line very sort of uh, predictable and easy to defend, and I think that's going to be a big problem with Hawthorne. I think they're lucky in a way of playing North in round one. North might not be able to exploit that, but do some good teams are playing the next few weeks after that. You know, Carlton's got a great back line. And being better this year, I think Port Adelaide have got a pretty solid back line as well. So I just can't see – I just see that as a real problem. I think, you know, I'll put in my observations piece on Hawks Insiders that uh, one thing we – we're not going to see at Hawthorne anytime soon is Hawks unchanged because I think Sam Mitchell's going to throw the names around the, the, the magnet board for quite a while to try and work out the best balance. And I think in particular that that's going to work in the forward line. He's going to try lots of different combinations and lots, lots of different setups to see what finally works. And I don't think it's working particularly well at the moment. And I was also disappointed when they got the shots on goal, they were missing them. Richmond seemed to be kicking them from everywhere. It was Hawthorne were missing, as far as I'm concerned, too many shots. And, uh, yeah, it's going to take a while to work. I think Jekyll, they'll have a look at Jekyll before long. I think um, Lewis and Kaziski will be on quite a short leash, actually. I don't think he's going to tolerate them. Uh, if they don't play particularly well, he won't be afraid to have a look at Kello and he won't be afraid to look at Jekyll and other combinations, and I think that's what this season is. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that's been said. I, th- I think what it's been able to do, both games of the preseason back-to-back, is remove any complacency around, you know, after after the draft period and trade period, and we were all up and about and talking about how we're going to surprised so many people and Mitchell's got this game plan and look what he did with Box Hill and you know who knows we could play finals that I think what it's done and interestingly enough there's been a bit of media from 
uh, doing the rounds through Fox and a number of other sources talking about they didn't see a game plan. It was all so messy. How's Mitchell going to go without blah, 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 blah goes on is a reality that that is where we're at. The lineup is not going to be settled all year. These guys have spent five months learning a game plan that they have never actually played on the field against opposition other than themselves, right? So I think the reality is it's going to be a long season in terms of results. If we're going to be expecting to kick 100 points every game, if we're going to be expecting not to concede more than 80 points every game, like if if we're going to be expecting to win contested possession every game, it's all a furphy because all we're going to be doing for the next 12 months is just working out who's got it, who doesn't, learning game plans, best positions, and giving the coaching panel a clean slate to over a two, three, four-year period implement what they've got in mind. That's my opinion. What did you think of the back line? Uh, I've been doing it for you guys. What did you think? How's the back line shaping up? Which is, we all thought was Hawthorne strong. Uh, was Hawthorne's one, uh, certainly last season and going to this season. How do you think it's shaping do, up? Do you know what? It's impossible. So many people at the start of last year were getting stuck into Kyle Hardigan. And by the end of the year, when you're doing best 22s and people are talking about it, if anything, I think the weekend actually showed again how important he is to our structure, not just from the from the point of view that we've talked about always taking on the big gorillas, but Sicily through the preseason has looked amazing when he's been able to be the third person, unaccountable, drifting across, dominating the back line without having to worry about a key forward. So that is that's huge. As well as obviously, you, you've already mentioned CJ and Impy and Bramble, and so for me, regardless of how it looked on the weekend, I, I don't think it's a fair and accurate reflection of how good our backline was towards the end of last year, and how good it's going to be through the first half of the season as we get some players back and some consistency. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think. Um... I think a couple of things just following on from your points. Um, I, I don't want to see James Sicily playing one-on-one against Tom Lynch in the season at all, you know. So um, we need guys like Hardigan to be in there um, doing those jobs that allow others to go and do the jobs that they're good at. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the second thing is I think a lot of what made our backline so good was the structures that Clarko set up to allow them to flourish. So the guys that were great interceptors like Sicily, Scrimshaw, CJ were allowed to leave their men because the structure allowed them to do so. And there's going to be some teething issues this year adapting to Mitchell's new game plan if it doesn't involve the same structures that Clarkos did. And, um, and we should be prepared for that. And I think there's some beauty in watching that unfold, even though it'll be very ugly at times and we'll cop some pastings at times, there's some real beauty in watching guys adapt to a new game plan. And then when individuals and then collectively the light bulb moment happens, um, I think, you know, you might start to see maybe a quarter here or a half here or just a period of time where things click into gear and, you know, you see just a, a little uh, – 
insight into what Mitchell's trying to achieve. But there are going to be some hard, long slogs throughout the season as well. Yeah, I think that, that that's right. It's going to – you watch even through some of the pre-season, you watch a couple of teams play. I mean, watching, Carl, watching the Carlton-Melbourne game and a bit of the Bulldogs-Brisbane game, they're playing at a different level at the moment to uh, to, to what Hawthorne are. Uh, and Hawthorne, it's, it, it looks laboured. It doesn't it, – it, there's – does there's a lot of chemistry out there with the way the team's looking at the moment. So I think, yeah, it's, it is going to be a bit of a slog, I think, these early rounds of Hawthorne. And Mitchell, as I said, Mitchell's going to throw the team around and see what works, try this, try that. And I think and it sort of raises something else we're going to talk to about it. I mean, really, they've been at pains to not put any uh, – talk about where they think the team might go this year, what they think an acceptable outcome is uh, for the team. It's all about – uh, building a game plan, building a system, building a structure, so that when they think they're ready to play finals, um, they're they're in a position to to go for it. But there's give you no indication whatsoever. I think that time is any time soon. Brad, any other takeaways from that game? What was that? Sorry, Ash. Any other takeaways from the game? Anything else that uh, came to mind? And by the way, if you've got a question. Please jump on, uh, request to speak. We, we, this is a time for sure a lot of you have observations and thoughts out of that game and concerns or things that you like that we haven't talked about. So please uh, jump on and, uh, and and have a chat to us. Yeah, a couple. I think uh, the ruck it is an interesting one. Reeves, I've been uh, raving about since you know the second half of uh, last season. I think he's been a bit disappointing this preseason. I think uh, Max Lynch. Obviously, you know, came on and played quite well. I think better in the you know, was better in the second half. I think, uh, unfortunately for Reeves, I reckon uh, Sammy's going to throw uh, Lynch in as well at the start of the year. Big boy, obviously, is going to play each week, being uh, the captain. He'll obviously play more forward and give a chop out in the ruck. But I think it's a watch the space. Reeves, I thought, was clearly going to be our uh, number one. But I'm not so certain. I think Lynch is going to play at early on in the season as well. So I'm not sure what your thoughts are. I think Reeves will play from round one, but I think he's going to be under the pump, similar to Lewis in Arkizitsky in the forward line. Again, it might be a horses for courses. Um, look at who they're up against. Who 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 North rucks for round one? It's Goldstein, obviously. Uh, Tristan uh, Cherry has been playing pretty well in the preseason. He's a good young player. He's been on our list for a few years. He's quite big. He can go forward and kick a goal as well. So Goldie's, you know, coming to the end of his career. He's still, he normally towels us up every time he kills us. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, obviously his experience, Reeves is still quite raw. I think big boy is going to have to play quite a big role in that first game. That's actually a good piece we should do for Hawks Insiders this year. Who's a player? You'd be good at this, Brad. Who's a player that kills Hawthorne every time? One of them is actually not playing in the first. Cunnington's one who kills Hawthorne yeah, every Cunnington, time. Uh, Goldstein is another one. You look at our last few times. I know our Cunnington always uh, kills us, but Goldstein, I'm telling you, every time he'd get Brownlow votes every time, I reckon, Hawthorne play North. So that I, is... Go on, go on, Andrew. I was going to say, I still have nightmares about Mark Miranda and Mark Roberts. They're the two that spring to mind as soon as you talk about players that Stepped up every single time, not what about, doing anything the rest of the season. What about the Shane Harvey experience? He's one good game of league football. Boomer's brother. He's one decent game. I think it was Peter Schropp's last game as coach, actually. That might have sealed the deal for poor old Shrobby. Um, so that pretty much wraps up the preseason. Two, uh, I thought, uninspiring performances by Hawthorne, but who knows? 
really, it might have all been part of it, you know, with the glass half full, it might have been part of the Sammy's grand plan, but I don't think the Hawks showed a hell of a lot to get people really excited that they're going to be super competitive this season, but there were a lot of players out, you know, they really did miss uh, Mitchell and O'Meara, as, as Brad said. Certainly, they're going to be up against it for the first few weeks of the season until they can get that class, that run off halfback, which will make Hawthorne a much better side. So, you know, I'm anticipating somewhere between uh, weeks three and five, the team will start looking closer to how we envisaged it will be. Certainly, um, certainly, uh, we'll, I want to talk about the injury list quickly, but David, uh, we'll get you on to speak. You've got a question for us. Good evening, David. G'day, boys. There you go. I'm a bit with what you were just saying at the end there, um, Ash. I think we're a side that can be a really good side, but we need our best 22 available week in, week out. We have three or four injuries, and that, like, as you said on Saturday, we had eight or nine players out that would, if they all fit, you'd go, they'd be playing round one. And I think we're one of those sides because of age and things like that and the amount of young blokes we've got now. We're a side that if we get our side on the park for six or seven weeks, we can be a very good side. We can beat anyone. But the problem lies that I don't think it's the underneath our top 22 isn't going to be strong enough to support us for a full season. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it's a, the lucky, as I said before, lucky they're playing north in the first game. They might get away with it. Or I think it's a tighter contest than it was a few weeks ago. But um, that was going to be a few weeks ago. But uh, yeah, the, the, the port in uh, that could be in a world of pain going playing port away in round two, and then we're going to talk about injury list now. If you look at it, I think sort of by the time the Carlton game, uh, the reinforcements will be back. So I just want to talk about that quickly. Um, and overall, the overall philosophy of, uh, I know, Brad, you're big on this, the Hawthorne injury report uh, that we see on a weekly basis. So it's CJ attests, and I do know that uh, David Hale was on Perth Radio uh, saying that uh, both uh, CJ and Hardigan will play in a box or practice match of the weekend. So obviously if CJ gets, he can play three quarters and get through for box hill. And so obviously that's not the same standard or the same intensity as Round one of the AFL, but I think they'll roll the dice with CJ on the base. He's such a good athlete um, and brings so much to the game. He gets through that box or practice match. I think they'll awfully be, be awfully tempted to play him. O'Meara available, Mitchell available, MP two to three weeks, Will Day two to three weeks, Bramble four to six weeks, which was obviously the complete bullshit that he missed round one. Anyone who saw him in a moon boot would recognise it was longer than a one-week injury. Downey, five weeks with that hamstring. That's going to be a real setback for Downey and a very important season for him. To uh, where, where, where there would have been an opportunity for Downey. If a fit Downey would have played round one, I reckon, with uh, what he brings to the side, some um, some some much-needed pace. Um, but um, that's how it's looking, which looked to me like uh, sort of the Carlton game in round three and the St Kilda game in round four. Hopefully, if there's no other injuries, is the weeks we'll start to see Hawthorne Close to full strength, and for a lot of us, the games against Carlton and St Kilda, uh, Andrew, are particularly important. Yeah, Brad. just <laughs> oh, right. Can I just say before Brad gives us the comment off, I actually think that when the fixture came out and we had the ruse first up, we were all thinking, oh, it's fantastic. This could be Sammy's first win. And with the Walsh injury news, we're thinking all of a sudden, you know, Carlton round three is a good time to have them. Now, on the back of what you were saying, on the back of Whitey's comment, 
you know, the, the feeling that it's going to take three, four, five games to get into any sort of rhythm and routine and get players back. I feel like it could almost be an unfortunate waste that we get North and Carlton in the first three rounds. Well, I think Carlton's shaping... The Carlton game's going to be... It's a be Carlton home game, which is awful as, as it is, but it could well be the week that Walsh and Doherty make their comebacks. So uh, it's going to be... A, Emotionally, I think. I mean, I'm looking a bit ahead already, but I think emotionally, that's going to be a uh, that could be a difficult afternoon for the Hawks. Um, that might be Will Day's first game back for us, which is uh, might be the consolation for us. But uh, that'll be an emotional charge afternoon if it's Doherty's for, and you know, one of the great stories and one of the great blokes in footy, Sam Doherty. So it'll be wonderful to see him out there again. But uh, if it's his first game comes up against Hawthorne uh, in round three in a Carlton home game, that's going to make it a uh, that'll be worth a couple of goals to Carlton because they'll be. They'll be supercharged. I'm a bit old-fashioned. I still believe that sort of stuff, um, as in football. Brad, how seriously do you take the Hawthorne injury reports? And do you place any store in the fact that um, that Luke Boyd, who looked like he'd rather have Root Canal every week hmm. than actually front the cameras for that report, they've replaced him with the, the club doctor, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Brad, do you take it at all seriously? I know you sort of have to because I give you the no, section dissection. <laughs> One thing I've learned over the years, especially with Hawthorne, is never trust the injury uh, report. I know it might have been a directive from our Clarko. Hopefully, uh, Sammy changes things. But if they say Will Day's two to three weeks, I think we ha- we might have to trust them. But if Will Day plays before uh, round four, I'd be very surprised. I think he's next to no chance. I don't think they're going to rush him. His history early on with injuries, unfortunately for us, has been quite poor. I know he's copped some pretty bad ones. The ankle one against uh, the Tigers, which, you know, uh, was unfortunate. But I think he's the type of player. It was dirty, so, played which, by Josh Caddy. That's what it was. Yeah, shocking tackle, really dog act. But Day's got the body at the moment where I, don't, I think they need to take their time. He's too important for us. You know, he's a 10 to 12-year player for us. I don't think they're going to risk him. So I'd be very surprised if he plays before round four. Would you play CJ round one if he gets through Box Hill on the weekend? Absolutely. We, I, I don't think uh, we've got a choice. He's become arguably one of our most important players. So uh, we like pace, uh, especially down back now. You know, uh, Bramble's gone. Um, I think he has to play. Uh, Impey's still out, you know, for the first uh, month of the season. So CJ is going to become a crucial player. So I think he has to play. Right. Well, so we'll wait and see. This time next week, we will have certainly have a squad of uh, of twenty five to think about. Sam Mitchell, as I mentioned before, he's done the media rounds. He did an extensive interview with a friend of Hawks Insiders, Cal Toomey. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that appeared on AFL.com in bits and pieces. Uh, the video appeared today. It's four minutes and 36, four minutes 36 seconds worth watching. Uh, it talks about maintaining the rage, Hawks, ruthless and tough plans. Wondering whether any of you guys have watched the interview and what you thought of it. I'm getting donuts. So no one watched it. <laughs> Danny, watch every across everything. You're the one in our I WhatsApp even, group who, who gives just, us everything. I didn't even know it was out there. I also would have put it in the WhatsApp group. So I'm I'm gonna frantically get off here at nine thirty and and watch it for the next four minutes and thirty six seconds or whatever you said, Ash. But I, I actually 
I haven't seen it. One thing I will comment on, just the general media, it, it's clear there's a departure from the Clarko era, which was protect all the information coming out of the club at all costs. Um, and it's really nice to see um, more interviews, more conversations with the media. Um, I'm sure you feel this way too, Ash, just as a reporter. But um, seeing more information come out of the club um, is really refreshing. Now, like Brad said, if they could sort out the uh, injury reports and, and the stuff that they just blatantly lie about, then we'd all be happy. But, yeah, um, it, it has been a nice change of pace seeing uh, far more information come out of our club in this preseason than probably the last three years combined. Well, Sam Mitchell did say last week he's going to be fairly transparent on in injuries. And then, of course, they did mention the uh, O'Meara hamstring. And that might have been mentioned before the game, but no mention of Mitchell's groin until after the game. So they've got a bit of work to do. Tomorrow, by the way, is uh, Hawthorne Membership Day on SEN. So I would keep SEN fairly close tomorrow because there'll be you know, chances after, that would mean through most of the shows they're going to roll through some Hawthorne talent. What I'm hoping for, and of course, Fridays on SEM, Brad, as you would know, it's Kane Corns Day because he hosts the breakfast show and then he doubles up hosting um, the Waitley show from 9 till 12. We could get Kane Corns v Sam Mitchell. So they were they were opponents for many, many years on the field and Kane actually had a pretty good record on Sam Mitchell and Sam would say that. But uh, they also might be going head-to-head on the on the wireless tomorrow, Brad, which would be fascinating. Yeah, it? it'd be great to hear. I don't think you know, uh, Sammy would hold back uh, and neither would Arcane. Kane does. I know he cops a lot of flack, but he does ask uh, the hard questions and he's not afraid to voice his opinion. So I reckon that'd be a great chat and I reckon Sammy speaks really well in the media. So uh, I reckon it'd be a great interview. It'd be interesting to see which show. I think that probably puts Sammy up on their breakfast show. So um be interesting to see what, which, you know, where if he does, yeah, I guess he'll probably be on with Kane because Kane and Kingy do the breakfast show on a Friday now as well, don't they? So yeah, we will go head to head with him. So it'd be good, good to listen. Hopefully, you know we get it. Yeah, you know, at a reasonable hour. Yeah. Oh well, it doesn't really matter these days with the time sharing. Just keep a, a lookout for. We might even uh, point it on Hawks Insiders as well if we think it is worth uh, having a look at. Bit of news out of the club today was that they have uh, released the second of the classic jumpers. Bit of a Peter Hudson theme, given that uh, obviously we talked to Dan Eddy last week about the book. The jumper now is to honour Peter Hudson. Now, I'm all for footy clubs changing their jumpers around. We've had some good ones at Hawthorne and some bad ones. I understand the need for a clash jumper, which is more or less what the uh, Hawthorne traditional jumpers are. But once again, they've gone for a jumper that actually has no real, certainly from the front, has no real relevance to the player they're celebrating. They gave for John Kennedy a jumper with a yellow, it was a gold jumper with a brown V. Well, Kennedy never played in that jumper. He played in the brown and gold stripes. And Peter Hudson also, and, and the, this jumper now is a sort of a version of that, a slightly juiced uh, up version of that. Again, it's great to honour Peter Hudson, but uh, he never wore a jumper, anything resembling the jumper that Hawthorne put out honouring his name. So, Again, there's not a whole lot you can do. You've got to create a class jumper, and with golden brown, I guess the options of a class jumper are fairly limited. But um, we see you're someone who buys anything and everything to do with the club for, for, for your kids. What do you think of the, the jumper? Uh, I don't mind the jumper, but I'm a very um, 
you know, unlike quite a few people in here and certainly uh, I know there are a lot of listeners who like getting as many of the different uh, away strips and clash guernseys as possible. I am very much a traditionalist. So I think on that topic in terms of the kids and at home, the multiple jumpers are all different versions of the home top. Uh, I think one may be... Uh, straying from the formula for an Indigenous Guernsey. But, um, yeah, I actually totally agree with you, Ash. I loved all the media around Hutto and the celebration of Hutto. Um, but with exactly what you just said about the the specific connection to the design of the jumper itself, it then feels maybe a little bit too tokenistic as opposed to uh, creating the relevance that goes into, you know, why that Tuttle's ju- jumper. I do like, I think the jumper, from what I saw of it, has a white, has the, the back's more relevant. I think the back's got the big white square with the back number 26 on it, as they, as they showed the other day. So I think the, the the back of the jumper would be a lot more relevant than the front. But uh, look, it's uh, what footy clubs do. They, they roll their jumpers through. They change the design fair, you know, as often as they can to, sell as many different versions as they can. Certainly looking forward to seeing what Hawthorne do with the uh, I think they had the same indigenous jumpers the last couple of years. So I'd like to see what they if they do something different with that in, in that space this year. And certainly that might be I guess they might wear that the weekend they play up in Darwin. Um, so we tick that box. AFL uh, VFLW, another win to Hawthorne beat Collingwood at Collingwood on Saturday Three wins out of four, so they're starting to make a bit of a charge for it. Um, put a video up on the Hawthorne website. Bridget Deed kicking a goal, basically off a couple of steps. She took the cheeky handball from a, a, a teammate, had a mark or free kick. Handball to Deed, she kicked a goal, a long bomb goal on the left foot off about two steps. And we've talked about her before, Danny Heavenway, but she seriously looks like she can play. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice left foot. She... I think they call that the Grant Virtual, right? Just hovering around the, the yeah, right. side, left-hand side of the, the player who can't kick the distance and then getting the cheeky one on the side and then drilling it. So, um, yeah, she looks like she's um, she's going to be a good foundational piece for our AFLW team for sure. And, Brad- uh, interesting, interestingly, also that they um, did what you said, Ash. They listened to you. Uh, and the AFLW is going to be starting in, is it August, I believe? Yeah, did listen to me. I was the first one who said it. No, not really. I'm one of many who said it. Brad, you're in the content business. How do you feel about um, the AFLW season starting uh, the bye weekend for the finals and, and playing through the spring? Wonderful. I think it yeah, should have happened uh, sooner. I think it would be great. Bring back uh, the uh, traditional days. You know, when we used to go to the footy, we had the VFL uh, beforehand. I think it's a great thing for the game. I think it will only help the game uh, grow. Um, and I think it's a really positive uh, move about AFL, and I think it'll get people, more people out to the footy, more people to support uh, the women's footy. So, yeah, it, I reckon it's great. Actually, you got a question for us? Good evening. Just connecting now. Actually, good evening. Hello. Hello. Actually, last... Hi. Welcome. Oh, he's dropped off. Dropped off? Okay. No. <laughs> we'll... <laughs> move on, Ash. <laughs> we'll move on. 
We're going to finish with a bit of housekeeping, extended housekeeping. Uh, we've got a few things to get through as we announce the season. Uh, so we'll get into our full content load on Hawks Insiders next week with uh, some of the features you've known to, to love. There'll be uh, Brad's selection dissection. There'll be uh, Mora's opposition analysis. We're doing our time capsule predictions now, which will roll out over the next few days. It will no doubt come back to bite us in the arse come the end of the season, but as, you know, as part of our season preview. We're mulling over what we're going to do with the spaces in terms of the time of the week, and we appreciate so many of you coming on and supporting us on Thursday nights. But given the clash with the footy, and there's going to be so much Thursday night footy, we're actually going to move the spaces to a different night, probably Tuesdays. We're going to keep you guys posted. Next week, in fact, I think we're doing a spaces next week, but we will do a podcast. It'll be very easy for you guys to find. It'll be our season preview, but just for a couple of logistical reasons, it might be too hard to do a spaces next week. So it might just be a podcast of the season preview before we, we go back to the spaces. But keep a lookout, please, regularly on Hawks Insiders on the Substack itself or through social media as to what we're doing with the spaces. But I think we're going to move it to probably a Tuesday night, for at least for the first few weeks of the season and see how we go because I think most people actually want to watch footy on Thursday night rather than listen to it. It's like us talk. So... That's our plan. Hawthorne don't feature on Thursday nights either. They're the only team not playing Thursday or Friday nights over the first nine weeks of the season, apart from Hawthorne Gold Coast, which tells you what the AFL thinks of Hawthorne as a uh, as a prime-time prospect at the moment. Maybe they'll surprise a few teams and uh, in the AFL and get some chances the second half of the season. But we promise you the big reveal, and uh, we're really delighted to announce that uh, the two Premiership heroes are going to be contributing regularly to Hawks Insiders this season, and they will be Rodney Ede, a four-time Hawthorne Premiership player, and Campbell Brown, the, of course, Brownie, famous 2008 Premiership player. Both are great Hawthorne people, and they're, they're going to be coming on board for Hawks Insiders, contributing regularly on the Substack. So every couple of weeks, you'll be able to read an assessment from those guys on how the team's going, and we'll hopefully get them on to a, onto a couple of spaces as well. So we're really looking forward to Having them join the team, Rocket's first piece, uh, all being well, I forgot she got to confirm it with him, but uh, Rocket's first piece will appear on uh, on the Substack next week, previewing the season and how he thinks the Hawks are going to go. So we're, we're absolutely delighted to have them on board, Weezy. 100%. We got a taste of what Rocket had to offer when he, um, he wrote that awesome article uh, giving us some insight at the coaching handover midway through or towards the end of last season. Um, and we also know, uh, most of us will know pretty well what uh, Campbell Brown's personality is like in the media, so he's going to add a lot of fun and a totally different pers- perspective to the Brown and Gold, so we're, we're pretty pumped to have them on board and, and get into the season proper and, and keep punching out some, uh, some really good content. That's right. So uh, we're looking forward to the season starting. We're tired of uh, speculating and pontificating and predicting and hoping. We're looking forward to having some uh, real, um, real Hawthorne uh, match day stuff. It's what the that's what people care about the most to sink our teeth into. We'll ramp up the coverage on the uh, Substack next week, which you can subscribe to for I think fifty dollars for the season, or was it five dollars a month, Weezy? So please support us if you can. We're, we we're going to keep bringing great people to you. Um, and have really good content surrounding the footy club that everybody here uh, has a great... Except for you, Jed Zetzer, who's listening to you, Carlton 
trait are you coming on board? Uh, but good to have you there on board to listen to how the professionals do it, Jed, and have the great clubs do it. Um, he's disappeared as soon as I mentioned him. Um, so that has been the spaces for this Thursday night. We'll talk to you again um, next week as the season draws closer. Weezy, have I missed anything before we go? Just a couple of tiny little quick points. I think Hawthorne announced there's an open training Saturday morning, uh, which uh, everyone should get around. It sounds like there's going to be some some speeches as well and that sort of stuff, which will be good. But Saturday uh, week, not this Saturday, Saturday, Saturday week. Saturday week, Saturday yes. week, sorry. Um, and also um, just a, a very quick note, I think Hawthorne today, announced a partnership with Joy, uh, infant and childhood brand, which fits well in terms of the family club, club side of things. But I think just uh, it was worth noting that, you know, with Nissan a couple of weeks back significantly extending that our commercial team seemed to be doing a pretty good job renewing and bringing new commercial partners on board. So it uh, feels like uh, from that point of view, things, things are going well. Yeah, I think certainly having an AFLW team. That's another reason the AFL had to do it, I think, uh, give these last four clubs an AFLW team because they were basically they, – they couldn't go to market with the same advantage as the other 14 teams. They were being disadvantaged in, going to the, in, in what is a tight sponsorship market. So uh, that certainly helps. So, yeah, they'll be a very good sponsor for the Hawks. Um, that, so that has been it for now. Don't forget, uh, once you've had your fill of, uh, of all the Hawthorne content on – Hawks Insiders, don't forget our friends at uh, Talking Hawks and also the Hawk Talk podcast with more great content out of the Hawks. So really that gives you almost a seven-day-a-week fix of really good stuff to consume at Hawthorne. Um, but we will be with you, as I said, next week uh, with our season preview and then the spaces will resume after that. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate your support uh, and the interest and enthusiasm you show for what we do and uh, it's exciting for us now as the season gets underway, to bring you all the great content that we can. We see any last words? That's it for me. Thanks uh, again to Warning for coming on and, and our regular listeners and, and panel members. And, yeah, not too long to go before that first ball's bounce. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Danny. Don't know where Darren was tonight. I didn't tell us he wasn't turning up. So I uh, hope we'll, we'll have to check in with him, Andrew, after to see what he's up to. Make we'll sure he's all right. Make sure he's all right, yes. Um, all right, everyone, have a great, uh, enjoy your last footy-free, your last stress-free weekend, everybody. You won't have that pit in your stomach uh, on the weekend as you anticipate the Hawks going out to play. So enjoy all of that. We'll talk to you again very soon on the Hawks Insiders. Thanks for joining us and have a great weekend. Thank you. Count the Hawks. <laughs>